Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Kromos. And this is The Back Peg and our final episode of the Destination Doha series. Yes, this is episode nine. I hope you all enjoyed our group previews as they went out. But this is a little bit of a wrap-up before we get into the tournament, covering off some of our predictions for the knockouts, a bit of fun with some kids, but also, importantly, one of the major talking points surrounding this World Cup that we must talk about. Yeah, Nathan, we have to. It would be remiss of us not to discuss some of the controversial issues that have gotten us to where we are today with regards to just being days out from the Qatar World Cup kicking off and it's looming it has been looming for a little while and it is a shadow over this World Cup unfortunately given the seriousness of the issues that are being dealt with in particular by the migrant workers that were brought into Qatar to complete the stadia effectively the World Cup is being hosted in one city which is Doha so we're talking about eight football stadiums within a radius of 35 to 50 kilometers and effectively it's an Olympic Games of football in Doha Doha uh, Qatar itself had a population of roughly 300,000 at the awarding of the World Cup in 2010 how were they going to build all those stadia when the World Cup was awarded? Yeah, that would have been question number one um, amongst a whole host of questions. And as we're starting to get into it, I think it's important to say that we don't want, we're not happy to be in this position talking about the issues in Qatar. This tournament should never have been awarded to Qatar in the first place. But now that we're here, as you said, it would be remiss of us not to discuss all of these problems surrounding this tournament as we head into the tournament that starts in in a few days' time. Yeah. You mentioned the migrant workers. There's also significant questions surrounding the the rights of the women in Mm -hmm. the country, the rights of the LGBT community. Correct. And we have these human rights issues that are perfectly valid. We also have sporting concerns Mm. that are perfectly valid as well. And the impact that this tournament has had on the world of football is seismic and will continue to be felt for years to come. It's not the case that December 19 rolls around, the World Cup final finishes, and everything goes back to normal. This is something that we're going to be feeling the effects of for many years to come. Yeah, correct. Look, there's always been a saying that sports and politics shouldn't mix. However, if you even go back to the ancient Olympics in Greece, the wars of the time would stop for the Olympics to be held, right? For the city-states in ancient Greece to do that. So there's always been a mix of politics in sport we're not talking about it at the grassroots level that's a different story even though you know you can talk about political influence in in sport at that level right with grants and all that kind of stuff but what we do have to recognize is supporters of football or sports administrators which will be an interesting point in case for the sporting administration people in years to come is that there is scope for sport and sports people to discuss the issues of the day. These are these issues have been highlighted because Qatar was awarded the World Cup and it was a major error on FIFA's part. All this hangs on the neck of FIFA from the very start. Right? We can go through the timeline and go through how it came to be that Qatar was awarded the World Cup. And there are plenty of points of reference if people do a little bit of research on it, such as ESPN E60 Qatar's World Cup. Great documentary. FIFA Uncovered on Netflix. Another great series there. Right? Planet FIFA. 
the work that The Guardian have done, BBC. So there are plenty of sources and outlets there for people to go to go back into and have a look and see how it came to pass that this World Cup was awarded. Now, FIFA, as a business decision, decided to award two World Cups here in Sydney, actually, at the Congress that was held here in Sydney prior to 2010, so I think it was in 2009, where they took the decision that they would award the hosting of the 2018 and the 2022 World Cups simultaneously in order to obviously garner higher television rights. So, okay, sound business decision from that aspect, right? I'm looking at it, irrespective of who the candidates are at that time, yeah? So the candidate nations rock up, they all put their case forward, 2018 gets awarded to Russia when quite clearly England was the favourite. Australia, somewhat naively, as it turns out, was a candidate for the 2022 World Cup hosting rights, but the USA was the strong favourite. And in fact, the Qataris thought that they would be in second place or third place as compared to the Americans. So we're here now because of the corruption, which we can say without having to say alleged corruption, quite clearly the corruption of members of the FIFA executive committee at that time and their actions. You just have to look at who's still on the executive committee as we speak today. There's only one member of the 24 from the awarding of the 18 and 22 World Cups that is still on the committee. And that speaks volumes and speaks for itself, essentially, that a lot of them either have been removed from that position or they completely want to disassociate themselves. And Gianni Infantino, the current FIFA president, who has taken over from Sepp Blatter, has repeatedly said that he's trying to clean up FIFA, it's a new FIFA, everything's moved on. These issues still hang the, hang over the head of FIFA, and it's not something that the, the wider public is going to be able to move on from, no. I think, ever. I don't think you ever get, in 10, 20 years' time, you're able to restore the reputation of FIFA to what it was, not even before this awarding uh, the tour, maybe 10 20 years ago pre-Sep Blatter where FIFA was a bit more of a happier organisation would look more in a positive light it was happier it was a happier organisation Nathan because they didn't award World Cups to countries of questionable human rights status right to be fair but however no country is perfect right we've got our own issues in our own backyard every country has their issues but I don't know. Look, Infantino can go around and go to places like the G20 and say, hey, let's talk about football and send issue, send letters to to the federations of the 32 competing nations and say, look, it's time to focus on football. And yes, there will come a time for football. But the issue is, what happens after the World Cup's come and gone, right? Now, you know, like it, it sounds like Infantino is quoting, is using Blatter's famous line, let's go FIFA, let's go FIFA, Right in trying to do this and I know that's comical right yeah and I, and I know it's a heavy issue but it that's what it comes across as like is just a is a more polished performer than bladder and is got carte blanche politically as well right within the organization because you can't say it's a brand new fifa it's an all-new fifa no one's here 
but it still doesn't doesn't absolve FIFA of their responsibility and the dereliction of duty with regards to the awarding of this World Cup. No, it doesn't. And there was an opportunity for FIFA to start to right the wrongs of the previous setup at FIFA once the Infantino came through and a lot of the previous members of the FIFA hierarchy have moved on, the likes of Jack Warner, Chuck Blazer, etc. There was an opportunity there to begin to rebuild the reputation, but it seems like they're doubling down. Yeah. Well, what good work did Netflix do with regards to that? And I said, CONCACAF brings it upon itself. Yeah, hey, look at who you had running CONCACAF. So, yeah, you do bring it upon yourself, right? If we can just be lighthearted for a second, right? Yeah. But the fact is that FIFA has brought this upon itself. There appears not to have been the most simplistic of criteria for candidate nations to adhere to. Like, any commercial practice or business will say, this is the tender program. These are the boxes you need to check. You don't check these boxes. You can't submit your tender or your tender won't be successful. Where's that here? The only green boxes that are checked are green boxes. Correct. <laughs> are shoe boxes, perhaps, with a lot of folding green in it. So, and that's where we kick off this problem. And this is no disrespect to the Qatari people at all, right? It's more so the, the authorities in Qatar that are, are the issue. But we acknowledge, I think it's fair to say, both you and I acknowledge that FIFA have been the architects of this problem or this issue and the bad stench that's around this Qatar 2022 World Cup in the decision that they made. We agree on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think you can lay the blame at pretty much anyone else. There's obviously other parties involved, but most of it does lay at the the doorstep of FIFA. This is their mess. They started it and they have to clean it up. Well, they have to do something to try and rectify it. They do. And they haven't done much as of yet. Hmm. Yes, they can point to things like the Carfala system has been eradicated, but beyond that, there hasn't been too many reforms at FIFA, there hasn't been too many reforms in Qatar, and just this week, we've seen so many issues with media travelling over to Qatar, Mm. being stopped on the street by security and police, you can't film this, you can't take photos of that, even as Qatar is trying to open its doors to the rest of the world, to highlight some of the change that has happened in the Gulf, in their country as well, it seems as though there's this ongoing tussle within Qatar the debate between we want to invite people in to experience our culture, to show that we're not bad, we are a force for good in the world, which you can have your own opinions on whether that is accurate or not. Sure. But you also have people in Qatar who are quite against these people that are coming in to try and highlight what's, mm. what's going on in the country. Look, for all intents and purposes, obviously the Qatar Foundation was set up. Now, whether that's... you know, I don't want to cast any dispersions on the legitimacy of that organisation, right? But they they've done good work in in parts of the you know in parts of the world. However, there seems to be a clash of cultures, obviously between the Western world and Qatar itself, and the progression of change that has forced Qatar because of them being awarded the World Cup. They've had to change at such a rapid pace where it's uncomfortable. Now. I wonder if the if the World Cup was awarded to UAE, for instance, just across the Gulf, because it's somewhat considered more westernised. If they if these issues would uh, resonate, I'm sure that some of the issues were there, like with regards to LGBT uh, rights and and uh, women's rights, although it, it's widely recognised as the UAE being a bit more westernised or 
you know, or, or woman friendly. You know, I wonder if these issues would have been highlighted, in particular to your point with regards to the kafala system, right? Whilst in Qatar, it was deemed to it. It appears on the surface that it was a lot more conservative in nature compared to the UAE. That being said, though, look, the fact is is that the trouble started for Qatar when the World Cup was awarded. It started from that point because you had people that were adamant that the World Cup should be stripped from Qatar for various reasons and obviously a lack of belief in the... Considering that the World Cup proposal that they put together was last in comparison to the other bids, saying, how did they get away with this? So you had people questioning the integrity of the decision straight away. That was the media. There was headlines all around the world saying that essentially that, how could they have gotten away with it? How could they have won this World Cup on Barrett considering the many factors that are quite clear to people who are followers of football? They don't have a football culture, football heritage. They're a small country, small population, a national team who's done pretty much nothing at the time that the World Cup was awarded. One football stadium at the time that the World Cup was awarded. And we all know generally that the World Cup is played in June, July. And how hot is it in Qatar at that time of the year? Yeah, it gets over 50 degrees. And they were saying, oh, we're all going to play in World Cup in uh, air-conditioned World Cup stadia. Where's that gone? Yeah. So why are we playing the World Cup in November, December? I mean, I don't fundamentally have a problem with whenever the World Cup is played, right? However, custom and tradition normally dictates that it happens in June or July. So that promise went out the window a few years later. So according to the timeline here of uh, Copper 90, which has got a good, short, succinct timeline, right? Uh, whistleblower in May 2011, so six, effectively five months after the World Cup was awarded to Qatar, blows a whistle, was in a meeting, and claims that the Qatari bid officials offered $1.5 million each to three African Football Confederation members of the FIFA Executive Committee. It was one from Nigeria, one from Cameroon, and one from the Ivory Coast, where these under-the-table brown paper bag deals that you shouldn't be associating with world sport, these were allegedly ongoing. And this is point one on a laundry list of concerns surrounding this tournament. And just the pure bidding process in and of itself, this is point one of a laundry list of concerns. And we can go on everything about the Caribbean, Jack Warner... And Mohammed bin Hammam, right, who was the Qatari official who was going to go up against Blatter at one point, just after the uh, Qatar got the World Cup, and then was called off. So, the whole, you know, and, and for further on that, you need to, guys, please go and watch uh, FIFA Uncovered on Netflix. It's an incredible documentary series. The work that they've done is incredible. And it's relatively short as well, it's four hours in total. It is worth plugging regardless if they are a paid sponsor of the of the show or not because yeah, sure. it is such a fantastic program. Mm. A lot of these things were news at the time. Yeah. And these but the thing is these things came out over the course of a decade, twelve years. That's right. And what Netflix have done, they've gathered all the information, all the reports. They offer some balance as well. It's up to the viewer to decide Correct. to decide whether they buy yeah. the story from the Qataris surrounding the entire process, but to take 12 years worth of issues and controversies of FIFA and put it into a four-hour miniseries is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's recommended viewing. And it serves as a reminder as to, I guess which we can uh, try and encapsulate later, 
but it serves as a, as a reminder as to how we got here. All right. So, Amnesty in, in November 2013 finds Qatar's construction sector rife with abuse and worker exploitation. Right. So, that's this is where the influx of the of the uh, migrants have come in, and the corruption around that, as far as these recruitment agencies. So Qatar, Qatar itself didn't have the workforce to go ahead and construct these stadia. So they go and contract these uh, recruitment companies to try and bring migrant workers across. And then you have the kafala system come into play with regards to migrant workers. It's a sad state of affairs. And I think that FIFA actually needs to do something to recognise that at the tournament. And you've got a, a bit of an idea on how that would play out. I've got two suggestions. First off, FIFA, out of the expected bonanza of the television rights, at least, and ticket sales, if if they do eventuate, but definitely out of the television rights, considering that, you know, it's expected they'll you know they'll exceed the revenue target of six point four billion dollars for this World Cup. At the very least, should recognise their dereliction of duty, and set up a fund to compensate the families and and relatives of the deceased migrant workers they need to do something whether it's six people or six and a half thousand people has been reported previously by the guardian we can all agree that one person dying at work and not going home is one too many but it seems to me that the human cost of this world cup is far in excess of what it should have been we can all agree on that, especially when and we're talking about corruption here. Let me give you just a, one piece of data here. Causes of death for 25 to 35 year olds in Qatar between 2009 to 2017. Cardiovascular related causes globally 15%. Okay. Nepali migrant workers in Qatar during the same time, 58%. Be it working in excessive heat or doing what, you know, or overworked or whatever the case is, that statistic alone warrants the position that I've just put. It does. And it goes to show that the conditions that they have been working in, whether or not you accept the Guardian's number of 6,500 or you accept the Qatari's number of significantly less, just in that statistic alone that you mentioned, that's a massive massive outlier compared to the rest of the world and this is not a country where there's significant smog where you have breathing difficulties and these sorts of things it is purely because they are overworked overtired working ridiculous hours and pushed beyond their limits underpaid right and not able with the kafala system not able to change employer because essentially under that system it was a modern form of slavery as was highlighted in the ESPN documentary Qatar's World Cup and that's where you had the International Labour Organisation and different organisations go into Qatar and try and negotiate the end of the kafala system, which already should have been... This is part of the criteria that should have been done prior to the awarding of the World Cup. A bit of due diligence here, right? We could have avoided this scenario altogether. Either you say, yeah, we'll give you the World Cup on these conditions, because... The World Cup in South Africa was promised by Bladder, right? So if he had promised the Middle East a World Cup, okay, 
all very well and good, provided that they meet established criteria that should have been in place, which apparently was not, right? And then, and hopefully, right, I don't have a problem with the World Cup being promised to different parts of the world, however, and hopefully Australia does get it one day, right, because the World Cup should go around the world, but provided that the right criteria is done, and I think now FIFA have obviously been able to dilute the impact of a World Cup on a nation by they're going to spread it out over two or three nations in years to come. We can see that with the, US, with the next one. So with USA, Canada and Mexico hosting the 2026 version. So, And this is something that's going to continue now because we're seeing bids for the 2030 World Cup, which isn't going to be decided until 2024. But we have this South American bid between four countries. We have a couple of bids in Europe and Africa with two, three, four countries involved in the mix where you're quite right to mention it is diluting the value of the World Cup to these countries. And mm. I'm with you in that I would like to see the World Cup go to different parts of the world, obviously. When it was in South Korea and Japan in 2002, fantastic for Asian football. Similarly for South Africa, whether or not the process of which South Africa were awarded the World Cup is fair, it was effectively used as a pawn for presidential votes. Correct. Fine, right? That That is a separate issue. These are two separate things that need to be Correct. split up. Yes, yes, the World Cup should go to Africa. No, the World Cup shouldn't be used to garner political votes 100%. and political points. 100%. Before too long, the World Cup will go back to Africa and it will go back to the Middle East. Hopefully under much more cleaner circumstances Correct. with rigid criteria in place. Hopefully this can be one of the legacies of this World Cup in a positive sense. There's not going to be too many, but hopefully one that does come out in years to come is a reform of the bidding process. So we go through the timeline. So we're at 2011, whistleblower. 2013, amnesty raises concerns. 2014, the ILO gets involved. 2014 again, the Guardian investigates workers in Qatar facing exploitation that amount to modern-day slavery, like we said. And then it's revealed that Jack Warner... FIFA Vice President, ex-FIFA Vice President, received nearly $2 million from a Qatar-linked firm. And then Sepp Blatter has the temerity to say there is no corruption within FIFA. FIFA is not corrupt. Please. Stop, stop saying FIFA's corrupt. <laughs> right? Hmm. So, then we go to 2015, right? When all of a sudden, in February 2015, it's decided that it's too hot to play the World Cup in, in June and July in Qatar... So five years after the World Cup is awarded, Qatar goes, you know what? I think we need to play in November, December. This is something that was a part of the initial report into the feasibility of the bids that the temperatures would be too hot to play in June, July. But this report was sent around to the members of the FIFA Exco who decide where the World Cup is going to be. But apparently they never read it. Either that or they read it and they just decided they don't care. Let's do it anyway. The impact that moving this World Cup to November-December is having on the football calendar is far-reaching because we're seeing players go down with significant injuries every week now. Since we started recording these previews, there's been another half-dozen star players for their teams that have gone down with a major injury, and that is a symptom of having this tournament in 
November, December. Yes, you might be able to point the finger at some tournament organisers that they should have spaced the games out a bit more. Sure, whatever. But they've been put into this position by mm. the late decision to move this World Cup to November, December. When, look, if you're going to go and give the World Cup to Qatar when you've read the report based on the temperatures and saying it's going to be too hot, okay, we're going to play in air-conditioned stadiums. Stick to it. Yeah, correct. 100%. Stick to it. Otherwise, relinquish your rights. Mm. Very simple. So 2014, uh, 2015, we, we're about now, right? So we roll out, So we go to that point in time. Michael Garcia was appointed by FIFA as an independent ethics investigator, right, to look into the bribery allegations surrounding the awarding of the World Cups to Qatar and Russia, right? Submits a two a 430-page report in September of 2015. Meanwhile, Switzerland opens up criminal investigations around the allocation of these World Cups. Funnily enough, the German judge is appointed by FIFA just to give him a 42-page summary report of the 430-page report, right? And the report clears Qatar and Russia and FIFA of any wrongdoing. But... The sceptics are out straight away with that. 100%. So, 2015, late 2015, FIFA bans Vice President Jack Warner for life from football activities after violating the organization's code of ethics i wonder what vo- what code of ethics he violated i wonder which code of ethics he didn't violate that's the point a hundred percent you know it, look infantino announces plans in 2016 right to set up an independent committee uh, committee to monitor conditions for laborers so this is where fifa all the uh, executive committee of fifa have been arrested in switzerland right in bathrobes and all that kind of stuff from the from the plush FIFA hotel, so Infantino's appointed as president of FIFA, right? With the new broom through FIFA, apparently. And first point of action is to set up an independent committee to monitor conditions for labourers six years after the World Cup has been awarded to Qatar, with six years to go. You don't do that if there aren't issues with the uh, with the workforce and the migrant workers in in a in Qatar. So again, this is why FIFA are ultimately responsible for this, and this is why I think FIFA should remedy it to a degree as much as they can with regards to establish the establishment of a fund to compensate the families of the victims. The other thing that um, FIFA, I would like to see FIFA do, although it won't happen is some recognition of the deceased prior to a game that would be ideal you do have skippers of the european nations that are going to wear the uh, rainbow armband no problem some some will some won't yeah yeah right that's fair enough right totally you know that's to be supported their prerogative right to be supported if they, you know, they're the issues that they want to highlight. But I think this is an issue as well that need, that should have some kind of highlight. But FIFA actually should be the one who pushed this as well. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, this is on their hands. Yes, and once Inventando comes in in 2016, sets up this fund, do we think that he could have been a bit more stronger on this bid? Is it the case? Do you think that, that, that Qatar should have been stripped of this tournament? Or is it, are we too far down the line at that point and we're in this box now? where you have to make the best of a bad situation. I I would assume that the legal action that Qatar would have put on FIFA would have been substantial. 
and they would have been able to fund it. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> right? Well, Fever's not short of money either. No. So it would have been interesting to see how that would have gone in the courts and which court would decide it. But obviously FIFA wants to see itself as the United Nations of football. Yes. Right? If not bigger than the United Nations itself. Except like they're going for Nobel Peace Prizes. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, you know, with... And look, great intent, no problem if that's a real intent. Okay? Don't, like, you know, I don't want to be no... I don't want to be called cynical, but... If the intent was to unify the world, and yes, football does unite the world, right? It is the most popular sport in the world. But let's remember, like, why we're there as far as if you're you're custodians of the game. You have abandoned the interests of the game here by letting this happen under your watch. Again, 2017, right? FIFA says, hey, no hard evidence of bribes to secure the 2018-2022 World Cups. In the meantime... You've still got this issue with regards to migrant workers and the uh, deaths amounting from the South Asian uh, citizens. There's a lot more work to be done on that front where you are able to bring workers in Qatar up to a, a, an acceptable standard. And there's a long way to go before we get to that point. So, yes, you, you're right to mention that there should be a fund for the families of the workers who have passed, as well as some recognition during the tournament of those workers who have passed building the stadiums and allowing FIBA to reap the profits of this World Cup because you mentioned the record amount of revenues that they're going to generate from this tournament for Qatar as well a crazy amount of money that is going to be able to generate and let's not forget Qatar's issues here either right they stand to have an economic boost of 17 billion dollars because of this World Cup right so chances are that they won't recognize this right and that they wouldn't contribute to such a fund they probably they probably would not stand with fifa if that fund was to be set up because that is admitting that they're in the wrong in this situation Correct. which is all about their sparkly new image that they are reforming they are on the on the improve they're on the right path so all this and look there the issues there we can go into legacy right because the issues there around what happens to the stadia that were built which Qatar will no longer have a need for and also what is the impact socially on the on the Qatari people women LGBT post the World Cup do you know the last time that the Qatar women's national team played an official match it's been a long time 2014 2014 has been that long 8 years ago so Qatar don't have a women problem so when we award a World Cup Shouldn't it be that, hey, we award a World Cup on the basis that you've got a a program for women's football that is active? Because to me, it looks dormant. As we say, eight years since I played an official game, 1% of the money that went into this World Cup into a women's game, then you've got a well-funded program that can develop women's football in the Gulf region, which has been significantly underfunded to this day where you can start to reform women's rights in the region, not just in Qatar. It should be one of these criteria that you have a fully-fledged, well-funded, operating smoothly women's program within your country if you are looking to host the World Cup of the men or women variety. Because FIFA is not men's football. Correct. It's, it's, It's football for everybody. Absolutely. 
and you have a World Cup, you want to encourage everyone to be able to go, whether you are of any demographic whatsoever. You should be encouraged to go, you should be allowed to go, you should be, in, in, you should be welcomed with open arms. That's not the case with no. this World Cup. There's been significant incidents where LGBT people have been asked to refrain from displaying their LGBT-ness mm. within, country, within Qatar when they're there, which is absurd. Yeah, you, I'm gobsmacked there. Like, like that, you know, like, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's commonplace in the Western world. And yes, the, don't talk me about clash of cultures here, right? It's the fundamental right of human rights is to actually treat people the way that you want to be treated. I think if we have that as a basis of just being human, right? I don't want anybody to tell me that I can't ha- hold my hands, wa- uh, my wife's hand when mm. we go out, right? or my children's hand, or show affection, but yet it's discouraged in this part of the world. So we're not saying, hey, you know, you need to live your life in a particular way, but there needs to be a form of criteria where human rights are generally accepted. Across the, most of the world, right, human rights are acknowledged. You don't have this criminalization of LGBT people. Right. So, why is the World Cup being awarded to a country that does have it criminalised? And Mr. Infantino, in his letter that was sent out to all 32 federations regarding this tournament, that FIFA doesn't want to get involved in politics and there's no one right way of going about your business as a country. For mine, last time I checked, the persecution of LGBT people is not a political stance. It's basic human rights that should be awarded, well, no matter what your in, political ideology is. Or personal beliefs are. It's, it's quite simple, right? So if we, you're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of religion, the basis of sexuality, um, the basis of appearance, or any other type of basis for that matter. So if, if that's the core basic right of human rights and saying, hey, I just want to be treated as a human being and have my own dignity, well then, where, where are we? What are we doing? And you mentioned legacy for this World Cup, for this tournament, the impact that it will have on the Gulf region. I don't think we're going to look back in five years' time and see a Qatar that is welcoming to different communities and different lifestyles and different personalities. I'm sure the people are. Hmm. Let's say, like, I'm sure the Qatari people are the most hospitable people that people, you know, would come across. I'm not sure about their regime. And that's where it really comes down to. And this is what's led to... Uh, the Socceroos and the PFA who've done great work with the Socceroos right to record that uh, the video which is pertinent to Australia and our formation and our maturity as a country right and a open letter from the PFA from the uh, co-chief executives Kate Gill and, and Bo Bush right where the Socceroos and the PFA have gone through an extensive process and discussed these issues and researched these issues with all parties, including the Supreme Committee for Legacy in Qatar. And we have to recognise that the PFA, basically, if you're not allowed to discriminate in the workplace on the basis of gender or sexuality or religion or ethnicity or anything of that, or anything of that nature, and that's a standard... The PFA is, repre- is, the la- is the players' union. So let's not talk about virtue signalling here. 
they're providing a workplace which is congruent, for lack of a better word, with the standards that are applied to other workplaces. FIFPRO as well, the international body, has got the same principles. So all the Socceroos have done here is highlight the issues, recognise that primarily that migrant workers being treated the way they were treated was wrong. And other nations have done that by inviting migrant workers to their training camps and training with them and having a run with them. They acknowledge that there have been changes and progress has been made in Qatar with regards to official abandonment of the kafala system and improvement in workplace relations. So as time's gone on, they're saying that efforts have been made and it's getting better and better. But it's still not enough. And this is pertinent to Australia because we're a country that was used... Well, not used. My parents were migrants. Migrants, in fact, all of us are migrants except for the first people. This country was built on migration. So it's hard not to relate to these issues. Yeah, absolutely. And well done to the PFA, to the Socceroos, to Football Australia for putting out this video. They are the first of the qualified teams to make such a statement. And I think it goes much further than a rainbow armband. I'm not besmirching the notion of the rainbow armbands, but a video going into significant detail surrounding these issues and the problems that exist within Qatar and awarding this World Cup to Qatar that does go a lot further. That is a significant statement from the players of the Australian camp to put out and well done to them, well done on the PFA for putting out such a video and hopefully we're going to see plenty more statements from other teams that are going to the World Cup. We'll just end with the last few paragraphs of the open letter from the PFA. We stand with FIFPRO and the Building and Woodworkers International in calling for the establishment of a, micro, of a migrant workers resource centre to provide a voice and support for these incredibly brave but inherently vulnerable workers. Again, due diligence had been done. This would have already been addressed. We're at the end of the 12-year process now, and this isn't in place. Equally, we know this tournament should and must aspire to establish and embed the fundamental rights of the LGBTI plus community. Without doing so, the sport can make no claim for being authentically inclusive. We keep saying football for all. Where is it? Right. And we're ones, and we are football for all. Australia, football Australia has a football for all program. That's why we have wheelchair football, walking football. We have blind football. We have all these beautiful variations, right, to try and foster that inclusivity, right? Beyond the final whistle of Qatar 2022, we remain committed to this mission. This mission must also see Australian football do better within our own shores. Our sport must develop its own human rights policy and strategy as a priority in partnership with the players and affected groups. And I would hasten to add in that point, especially with our Indigenous, our First People uh, uh, community. This will allow the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup to set the standards for human rights at mega sporting events and beyond. We hope to continue the work with Football Australia, who has taken important steps in embedding human rights commitments into all its procurement contracts for Qatar, which the players welcome. That's just due diligence. And well done to Football Australia on that. Our journey with the players in pursuit of embedding human rights into football will not be easy, but just as the Socceroos have shown through their qualification journey, things worth achieving rarely are. And I think we can leave it there. 
I think we can. That's a, that's a great way to sign off on this extensive look at the issues surrounding the Qatar World Cup, the awarding, the bidding process, and the issues that are currently in place in Qatar as we approach this tournament that starts very soon. And we look to what will be, hopefully, an improvement in the region, an improvement on working conditions, and some sort of fund established for the families of the, the workers, and some acknowledgement of the sacrifices that these people have made into creating this tournament, the stadium's infrastructure, football and non-football, because there's also been a significant development in the infrastructure surrounding the stadiums. There's been a whole new city built, and these things all feed into this entire situation surrounding Qatar, and hopefully, fingers crossed, moving forward, there are continued improvements in the region, and that can be one of the positive influences of this World Cup. We hope that that can be the case. Nathan, the human cost of this World Cup is sad. And like, I, like we said earlier, it would be remiss of us not to acknowledge that. I think as we try and enjoy this World Cup, and we hope that we do, we need to be mindful of the human sacrifice that has been made. And let's not make light of it. And I think a recognition in the form of a fund for the victims, like the families of the victims, might be a token gesture, but I think it's actually a gesture worth doing because it, these people need to be remembered for our, because the rest of the world will be enjoying this tournament. Unfortunately, these people went to work to try and, you know, out of basic human existence requirements, and they didn't go home. So Lazarus, Nathan, we've had our Qatar chat, yes, and we felt it was necessary to have, but we need to put a little something else into this episode to lighten the mood a little bit. Correct. It's essential we talk about what we just did, yes, but we need to also have some uh, a little bit of fun and games in here as well. And yep. on Instagram, we've been having a little bit of a tournament with the kits. Yeah, correct. So we have had a little bit of fun with regard to the kits, and we can say that. We are at the round of 16 currently at the time of recording and we've just finished the round of 16 at the time of this recording. And we'll just go over the ties that we had for the round of 16. So people voted for the Netherlands and Senegal out of Group A. Out of Group B, we had Wales and England being voted for. Out of Group C, we had Mexico and Poland. Poland's an interesting choice. Yeah, it was interesting. I, found that interesting. I, I think the kids are pretty plain from the Poland yeah. this year. So yeah. I am surprised they got out. Yeah. Australia and France were voted Group D. I think some uh, patriotism there. Patriotism, yes. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Spain and Japan out of Group E. That's a big shock for mine. I was expecting Germany to I was make expecting Germany run. too, but Japan's kit is pretty cool. Mm, I think it was a Spanish one that maybe yeah. would, would have missed out. Mm. Croatia and Canada were voted out of Group F. Again, that's a surprise. Mm. Canada, mm. who haven't brought out a new kit for this tournament. Mm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. We had out of Group G, G, Switzerland and Brazil. And then out of Group H, we had Portugal and South Korea. Yeah. Which is understandable. That's cut and dry, though. Yeah, I agree. For me, the, the best group, mm. the group of death, mm-hmm. was Group D. Yeah, I agree with kit wise, absolutely. Because sending Tunisia home is pretty harsh, I think. Yeah, that kit is. That kit's are really cool. nice. Denmark was political. 
Yeah, I still like approach. it. Though. I do like it. I do like it. Yes, the statement is a good one to have as mm. part of your kit. Sure. But even that aside, the kits are still fantastic. Yeah. I love that it is a one-tone kit. No, I agree. Vaginal. Agree. Because Germany had a, a kit recently where they had a blacked-out badge. Yes, that's right. And that was fantastic. So, round of 16 ties. We had Netherlands-England, who where the Netherlands got up. I'm surprised at this because, Same. for me... Although, it is better than the English kit. So, it's the luck of the draw there. No, the English away kit's fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah. Although, I prefer, as a red kit, the Wales kit. Yes, but a matchup between England and the Dutch... Mm. I don't like either of you the Dutch You don't like kits. the Dutch's? Well, I don't like either okay. of them. The away kit, for mine, is one of the... One of the worst ones at the really? tournament, That's aside from the Puma kits. Okay. The Puma kits are bottom row. It doesn't matter who the they Senegal's are. Senegal's kits are okay. Yeah. But it did lose to Wales, though. So Wales did knock over Senegal. Which so, is fair enough. Right? So, the Welsh kit's fantastic. Yeah. Both, so, both of them. So you've. So then we have, in the third tie, Mexico, France, Mexico, hands down. The fourth tie, Australia, Poland, Australia, got up. The fifth tie, Spain, Croatia. Spain? Oh, that's a surprise. Mm. The sixth tie, Japan, Canada, Japan. Mm. Tie seven, we had Brazil and Portugal. Brazil. I like just the Portuguese kids. Yeah, so do I. Brazil but, just edged it, though. Yeah, the Brazil kids are iconic. And the last round of 16 ties, South Korea, Switzerland, South Korea. Yeah. Wipe the floor. Yeah, Absolutely. That away kit for South Korea is yes. something else. Yeah. So. Quarterfinal time. Quarterfinal time in the kit off. And now that we've decided who's... Well, now that it's been decided, I should say. Round of 16. Quarterfinals. Netherlands versus Mexico. I think I know who wins that. It has to be Mexico. Mexico, I agree. Spain versus Brazil. Surely Brazil. Surely. Yeah. Surely. surely. The, the iconic yellow shirt. Yeah, it could be. Well, let's see. Let's wait and see. We'll put these on Instagram anyway when the time comes. Wales versus Australia. Look. Wales kit be, is good, but... There's going to be plenty of patriotism going on yeah, here. For mine, Wales should be winning this tie, but It is a good won't. kit, but I think Australia will win. Yeah, and Japan, I don't want to influence the... No, bonus, absolutely. Japan versus Korea. Oh, the, oh, this Korean away kit is fantastic. It is, isn't it? It's so good. I but, think Japan... I do think Japan because the Japanese home kit's so nice and mm. so it's a battle. Mm. The Korean mm. home kit, the Japanese away kit, I think the Japanese do get over the line for mine. Uh, imagine if you had this as real World Cup fi- uh, semi-finals. Yeah, Mexico wow. versus Spain, Australia <laughs> versus Japan. <laughs> right? So Mexico versus Spain, Australia versus Japan. So they're your semi-finalists. I'm happy with any one of those four. Although yeah. I think Mexico is probably the best. I think Mexico is... Uh, top of the pops. Top of the pops from, yeah. any, from everybody. So, Lazarus, it's time for us to dive into our actual World Cup knockout predictions. Yes. Yes, this is the last part of our Destination Doha series. And what a way to round it up. Yeah. We're going to be putting our chips on the table. We're going all in on who we think is going to be lifting the trophy in a month's time. And before we get going, there's been a few more injuries since we've recorded all our previews. The likes of Timo Werner's gone down, Sadio Mm. Mane. Mm. Some question marks on whether he'll be able to play in the knockout stages if Senegal get that far but they are significant question marks nonetheless mm. and Kunku's gone down for France as well so we were having a chat do you start in Kunku do you start Griezmann in the yeah. number 10 mm. that's been that's resolved gone. unfortunately that one did go out on the pod that's right after but, the hey. fact but that's okay that's uh, these things can happen these things happen yep 
so any alterations to your predictions for the winners and runners-ups in the groups? Fundamentally not. Uh, I would love to see the Socceroos qualify, and I would love to see Japan get out of the group as well. But, yeah, I'm not that game to call it at this point. And it's more see, hope than anything else. And you still see Germany winning over Spain in Group E? I do. Yep. I agree with you there. Yeah, I do. So let's dive into it. Knockout okay. tree time. All right. So I've got Netherlands versus Wales in the first part of the bracket. Go on. All right. So I've gone with Netherlands. Yep. To take out Wales at the round of 16. Do you think that's pretty cut and dry? I don't think it's cut and dry, but I think that uh, the Dutch will be too good for them. Wales, so there'll be a there'll be a good story. Wales mm. coming out of Group B. Yeah, they, anyone can come out of that group. Absolutely, and I'll, I've got Iran coming out of that. Yeah, group. Yeah, that's right. So wouldn't surprise way. me if the USA came out. Yeah, actually, it would surprise me. It would surprise you. It would surprise me if the Americans come out because yeah. it's not. Yes, I think they've rounded off some of their issues in previous tournaments. Yeah, but there isn't that one star player. Of years gone by, the likes of Landon Donovan. Yeah, yeah. No, I just think the Welsh are primed for this one. I really do. That you know they've had the uh, last two Euros experience to call on, and I think that um, they'll get through. So Netherlands, Wales, and that's where we say goodbye to Wales. And that's where I say goodbye to Iran. I think the Dutch do beat them okay. as well. So both of us have the Dutch going through to the quarterfinals. Correct. So next round of sixteen match. I've got Argentina versus France. So do I. We both said Denmark would win Group D. Mm -hmm. We're both sticking to it. Mm -hmm. We haven't changed our opinion on that. And what a round of 16 tie this is. Two of the favourites for the whole trophy (laughs) to to win the whole thing. And here they are in the round of 16. And And this is where I would have Australia if Australia happened to get out of the group, right? But this is where the journey for either France or Australia ends. Argentina, take this one out. I would love to see Harry Sutar against Messi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you never know, right? You never know. But, you never know. <laughs> but I would like to see it too because that means that it's been a good tournament for Australia. Yes. Right? And I do agree with you. I think Argentina get through mm-hmm. whoever comes out second place in Group D and sets up a quarterfinal between the Dutch and the Argentinians. And which country do you have going through at that point to the semi final? It has to be Argentina. I agree there. It has to be. The Dutch, even though I am our Dutch expert here on the back peg, I do think they will fall short in this game. The Argentina side is just stacked. Yep. Even so, with their injury yeah. clouds around Dybala and the like. Yeah. We have Argentina going into the semifinals. Yes. Great. Okay. So the second bracket, Germany versus Belgium. So Germany as Group E winners versus Belgium as Group F runner-up. I've got Germany. Yeah? Yep. You think they'll... That's where Belgium will say goodbye. Yeah. And... Goodbye to the golden generation. Correct. See, I had Croatia coming up against Mm, Germany mm. in this this round of 16 clash. And I do think it'll be the same result. I think the Germans do go through. Yes, Croatia will put up a good fight. I can see this one going all the way to penalties. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the Germans do end up just edging it out, though. So Germany through to the quarterfinals. Right. Then and Brazil versus Ghana. That's what I have. Mm-hmm. Brazil is Group G winners, and Ghana is Group H runner-up. And Brazil. And is this your the end of the road for That's your the end Ghanaian, of the road for Ghana. Ghanaian story? Yep. I've got Brazil-Uruguay. Mm-hmm. I went with Uruguay on the preview because 
I didn't really rate the South Korean squad or the Ghanaian squad as good enough to upset the Applecart. Uruguay, I don't really rate them either at this tournament. Mm. They are an aging squad. They've got some younger, they've got some up and coming talent, but yes, yeah. but it, there is a blend, but it's, yeah, well, I'll take they're not point. quite ready yet. No. The youngsters coming no, through. they're not. And I think they they are there for the take in the group stage, but I do think yeah. the strength of the other two teams aren't quite enough to dislodge Correct. them. Mm. They are going home against Brazil. It will be a feisty game, though. So this sets up <sighs> a quarter, quarter final, final. Brazil against Germany. This is 2014. Yeah, absolutely. But this I've got Brazil going through. This is revenge for mine. Mm. Uh, they're not going to win 7 1 Brazil. It would be amazing if they did. But I do think they do get their revenge on Germany. Yeah, from I, eight I, years ago. I agree. Go through to the semifinals against Argentina. So that sets up that side of the draw with an Argentina versus Brazil semifinal. My lord. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. Who do you have? Brazil. Argentina. Ooh. I've got Argentina going through to the final. Yep. Wow. The chance for that's, Messi. That's where Brazil's run ends for mine. See, I've gone the other way. Mm. I think this Brazil team is so well-rounded. I can't find one weakness in this Brazil team. Copa America's in my head. Yeah. It's an easy thing to, to, to cling on to because that is the last major meeting between these two teams. and. That is the only game that Brazil's lost in the last three years, as and we I, said on that preview. Yeah, and I think that if they fall behind, if the Brazilians fall behind on the scoreboard, the hotheads are going to come out. Maybe, maybe. That's, oh, that's a tasty matchup. I, honestly, I don't really see it going any other way for that semifinal. Yeah. I don't okay. see how well what other combination could have. Yeah. Maybe France. Maybe Germany, right? You could get a France-Germany semifinal, but I don't know. I can't say it. Me neither. I can't say it. I think... France are uh, yeah. on the verge of a capitulation yeah. with everything that's gone on. Look, Germany could knock off Brazil mm. on, on the day, right? So it could be an Argentina-Germany semi-final, but I just see Argentina-Brazil yeah. in the semi-final. And what a semi-final it will yeah. be. So let's have a look at the other side of the draw. Let's go. We have one finalist. We need an opponent. Correct. Let's go all the way back to the round of 16, and it is England against Senegal for me. And I've got England versus Qatar, and I've got England going through. This was perhaps my big shock for this tournament does it change with Mane being it doubtful does. Yeah. it does it yeah, does I, I think so. if Mane was playing mm. I think Senegal could have made a right run at this tournament mm. I won't say how far no, I sure. had him end up going mm. but it was deep into this tournament Yep, I do think they fall short Yep, I I would be surprised if Mane doesn't take the field yep. but he's just not going to be ready to go yeah. and they will fall short Senegal yep. England go through to the quarterfinal then I have Denmark as Group D winners against Mexico as Group C runner-up. And in my scenario, I have Denmark knocking over Mexico and Mexico tragically leaving the World <laughs> Cup again at the round of 16. Once again. How many in a row would that even be? Oh, <laughs> seven, eight, nine? Probably. <laughs> Umpteen. <laughs> I think since 1986. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got Denmark against Poland. Yep. I said they'll get out of the group. Mm. I did say Mexico would finish bottom of that group. Well, very interesting to see how that one pans out. Mm. Uh, I do think Denmark do wedge it. I think Poland can get at the Danes. But they will come through. This Denmark side is just too strong. And this sets up a tasty quarterfinal, England versus Denmark. Who you got? I've got the Danes. I've got England. Wow. And this is a rematch of the Euro semi-final just gone by. And there was a, a questionable penalty claim in that match. I think the Danes are out for revenge, and I think they do get one over on the English this time around. I just think that the English should just be that too good. Just the one step too good. They're not going to win by much. It could even go to penalties, but we know that this England side can actually win on penalties. 
Now they can, yeah. Goes against the the old stereotype. Correct, correct. So then we have as a semi finalist England, in my scenario, and Denmark in yours. And I've got Denmark as the as the team that everyone will jump on as a okay. as as their second team. Yeah, a bit of an underdog story here. That that's what how I see it playing yeah. out. So the last bracket, I've got Croatia as Group F winners up against Spain as Group E runner up. And I've got Spain, Belgium. Okay. I've got Croatia knocking over Spain. Ooh. Ooh, 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 On penalties. Yep. Mm. Wow. That's a massive call. Yeah. So I think Spain will go through against Belgium. Okay. I think there's enough there in that Spanish attacking unit to upset this aging Belgian defense mm-hmm. and send them through to the quarterfinals. The last round of 16 matchup I have is Portugal versus Serbia. Yep. So I've same. got Portugal as. We have Portugal as winners of Group H and Serbia as Group G runner-up. And I've got Portugal going through I've over got Serbia. Serbia. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going with Serbia. So you, so you could have had a Portugal versus Spain quarterfinal. I could have. Mm. And I've gone against it. Yep. I think that game is so close. It is close. That is an absolute coin flip of a yep, game. Yeah, it is. Probably will go all the way to penalties. Probably. I think... I've got yeah. Portugal edging it. Yeah, it's so close. I don't have any real reasons as yeah. why I've gone one over the other. Just it's gut. that close. Yep. And the attacking unit of the Serbian side is fantastic. Hopefully they, they all stay fit throughout the tournament. And it, for mine, it would set up a quarterfinal Spain against Serbia. Which would be a great, great quarterfinal. That is definitely going to be, for the most part, it would be attack against defense. Yeah, yeah. Serbia on the break. Whilst in my scenario, I've got Croatia versus Portugal as Ooh. a quarterfinal. <laughs> Tasty matchup. It is. It is. And I have Portugal going through as the winners of that quarterfinal. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Portugal, despite all the Ronaldo issues or non-issues, through no, to the semi-final. Through to the semi-final, play England. See, I've got Spain going through over Serbia. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. So your semi-final would be? Spain against Denmark. Denmark. Mm. Who do you have winning that semi-final? Spain, just. Okay. Just. So you have a Brazil versus Spain final. I do. I do. That's the way I see it panning out. I think Denmark will just fall short and be everyone's second team, but just not quite get over the line. Spain, Brazil in the final. Lazarus, you've got... Portugal versus England in the semi-final, and I've got Portugal going through. Wow. On penalties? Doesn't matter how. (laughs) I I just think that England farewell us at the semi-final stage. And so you've got Argentina against Portugal in the final. Correct. How do you see it? Argentina. Messi lives in the trophy. Yep. Bows out of international football with his head held high. Correct. It's romantic. It's not necessarily about romance, but I just think this Argentina side is... And look, it's a very close World Cup, this one. It's really open, right? It's. It wouldn't surprise me if your four, any one of your four semi-finalists took it out, right? It'd be a great story if Denmark mm. go all the way. Mm. It would be. With their with their blacked out kids it would be yeah I just think look it would be nice to see a different nation win it one that hasn't won it before but we've had 21 World Cups and we've had eight nations win them and only one has won a quarter of those World Cups which is Brazil Brazil Mm -hmm. adding a sixth star to their crest lifting the World Cup trophy once again 20 years after they did it in Asia I think they do it once again. Yeah, look, it's going to be a fascinating World Cup. It is going to have this 
tinge of controversy, not tinge, but it, it is going to have controversy around it because of the circumstances that we outlined earlier. But it's not the footballer's fault that they're there, right? And I'm sure that they will do the best for them themselves and their nations. Let's just try and enjoy the World Cup as best as we can. I want to thank everyone here uh, on behalf of the back peg for tuning into our Destination Doha series. Uh, all your feedback, your messages, your interaction with us, greatly appreciated. We're hoping to do a daily Doha series. So when the World Cup kicks off at the end of every match day or every match day thereabouts, we'll do a, a daily feature and we'll just call that the daily doha and we are looking at doing a wrap-up of each match day at the end of each uh, match day as far as what i mean by that is end of match day one end of match day two and end of match day three and so on so uh, stay tuned to our socials on instagram at the back peg on twitter at the back peg and nathan thanks for uh, for you know for helping us out here it's been great it's been an absolute pleasure lazarus thank you for uh, suggesting the idea of doing the Backpeg podcast and the Destination Doha series it was uh, your creation I think it's worth noting and yes it's been a joint venture you're too kind thank you uh, doing this Destination Doha no. series it's been so much fun and I echo what you had said before thank you very much to everyone who's listened in whether it's been for one episode or the previous eight thank and thanks you. and thanks to the guests as well thank you as well yeah. to the guests we had John Didlitza we had uh, Yerman Cabrera from G10 Football. We had Kofi Danning, Luke Cassily, and Sean Carroll. So thank you to uh, to our guests for the, for their time. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and it's been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it, the road through the groups to this point, and do stay tuned for more regular uploads during this tournament. We're going to try and do daily shows, as you said, Lazarus. Ooh a bit of a wrap up and a very quick preview not hour long episodes no, don't expect like to be uh, don't expect an hour a day but short and sharp short and sharp indeed that's the name of the game so mm. thank you very much once again I've been Nathan Gould and I'm Lazarus Gromos and we'll speak to you soon take care guys